podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am Joel here with my dad. And I'm Rick, and we're glad to have you with us today. Yeah, so today's uh, kind of our Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. And as we were thinking about what to talk about, the theme of our podcast is always kind of stuff I learned from dad growing up. And when we were growing up, dad was a pastor, and he would regularly on Thanksgiving, on Sunday, pop out with the story of the original Thanksgiving. The pilgrims in It's kind of the, yeah, it's kind of the rest of the story. Maybe you don't hear, we don't hear it. Sometimes we hear it as, uh, you know, this amazing feast. You see the pictures of the amazing feast, but it's really not that. Yeah. There wasn't an amazing feast. And it wasn't, uh, sometimes they say it was a celebration of the indigenous people helping them bail them out. There's an element of that, but that's not the, the whole story. But what I realized from this story that's fascinating to me is that the first Thanksgiving is really, um, it's an image of what should be kind of a mindset for all of us. And that's the beautiful thing about Thanksgiving is, yeah, sure, it's an American holiday. But right. if you think of it as an American holiday, you miss out on what the real message is of it. So if you're listening, from, we have people listening from Europe, and yeah. Central America, there's something in the Thanksgiving message we're going to talk about today. And it's the idea that, well, I mean, for, for example, for mental health, every psychiatrist would tell you uh, the foundation for mental health, well, Christian psychiatrists would say, is gratitude. If you can start with just a little seed of gratitude for what you've got, instead of looking at everything you don't have, um, if you can start there, that's the foundation for mental health. And that's kind of what the story of the original Thanksgiving is. It wasn't from a place of huge abundance that they were giving thanks to God. It was actually from a place of lack, which is where true giving thanks, gratitude can actually start. So, Yeah, It it was a place of real pain, and we can talk about that in a few minutes, but you know, I'll, to touch upon what you said about this being a European story or something like that, I think you really miss something if that's it. Because if I if I read the story of David, I don't go, oh, well, that was a Middle Eastern kid. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not Middle Eastern, you know. No, this is a story of a, brand, a band of Christians who really radically believed that they could trust God and step out in faith and do what looked impossible. Mm-hmm. And they did pay a great price for it. And many times we think, well, if I take the risk... You know, if I jump off the cliff, God's going to cause me to fly and everything's going to go well and I'll never have any trouble. And then all of a sudden, the reality of it hits us and we have to struggle through and push through. And sometimes we get discouraged thinking, oh, God, you've abandoned me. But these people went through tremendous hardship. And to me, it's a it's a part of the heritage of every Christian, just like the story right. of David and Goliath or uh, these, these Egyptian, Coptic Egyptians brothers that were martyred over uh, in the Middle East. Those are my brothers. This is all right. the, this is family stuff. Well, what's interesting too about the, the the pilgrim story is they knew it wasn't going to be oh, easy, yeah. and they made. I mean, yeah. it, there's documentation. I mean, you pro- you have some right there. That, uh, you want to read some of it? Like yeah, they, they knew had, they were going into some hard. Yeah, they were trying to decide. They knew they needed to leave England. They were being persecuted there, and they could go to North America or South America. And they'd heard the horrible stories of what had happened Jamestown in, in North America. Right, because they weren't the first people to settle North America. No, there yeah. were others who had tried, and there were others there. And there were a lot of trappers and things. But they'd heard the harsh winters, the, the aggressive Native Americans there. And so they it would have been easier to go to South America. But as they prayed, they kept sensing in their heart to go to North America. And I love this little quote. It says, it was concluded that all great and honorable actions are accompanied with great difficulties. Wow, if you're going to do something worthwhile, there's probably going to be opposition. But then they said, and those those difficulties must be undertaken and overcome with even greater courage. And whatever great dangers or difficulties they said lie ahead through the help of God, and I love this part too, 
through the help of God, but with fortitude and patience, they'll either be overcome or they'll be endured. And I think so many times we, we talk so much about overcoming that when all of a sudden we're just yeah. plugging through and day to day, just the, is this what life is? Just day to day, just plugging through, and plugging there, through. There's a popular song through. on the radio, you're an overcomer. You don't hear yeah. one say, you're an endurer. You're an endurer. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, yeah. Are, are you thriving? Uh, no, I'm just surviving. But yeah. you know, there's something to be said. Sometimes that's the best you can do is survive. Right. I do believe there are seasons of you just buckle down and endure. The The interesting thing about the story, though, is it's one thing to have it kind of like sneak up on you or, you know, you get a medical diagnosis yeah. or something. These people voluntarily yeah. went in knowing it was going to be bad and they ultimately paid the price they were expecting. I mean, half more than half of them died. Half of them died. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is, part of this too had to do with paying a price for their kids. Mm. They were seeing their children. They had, as you may know, that some of them they had fled to London, to Holland. That's right. And while they were there working, they were seeing their kids getting caught up in the world. And they said, you know, we can't, we can't have this. So they couldn't go back to England where they were being persecuted. And so they decided we're going to launch out for the. So they paid this price for the sake of the next generation. Mm. And to me, that speaks so much, you know, I mean, many times as a dad or something, they're always thinking about, oh, I'll take this next job because it's going to be great for my career. It's going to be great for me. But what's it doing to your family? And these are folks that were willing to pay this tremendous price, take this tremendous risk for two reasons, one for their family. But first of all, because they really had this crazy idea that God could still speak to people. I mean, Mm. isn't that nuts? Who believes that? Well, I do. And so they were willing to pay a price to go a place where they could live according to the dictates of the Holy Spirit and their own conscience in that. Yeah. So that's what motivated them to go. So yeah, we sum it up with freedom of religion, and that was a part of it, but it really had to do with, with rescuing the next generation too and saving them and getting them a place where they could worship, and we need to live generationally. Yeah. So they get here, mm-hmm. it... It's, it's a November. tough winter. Yeah, it's a they tough They got winter. here in November. Yeah. And that they, was bad timing. Bad timing, but part of the timing problem was they, they originally had two ships they were going to take off in, and the one ship got out three days and started taking on water. They go back. They try to find it. Can't find anything. Go out again. Takes on water. They think now some of the experts... Can't find think, the leak. They can't find the leak. Okay, yeah, they can it, find the it. ship. I was like, whoa, the, just like Bermuda Triangle? Is that where they were? Go. No, no, no. Okay. They couldn't find the leak. <laughs> okay. And some of the historians think that maybe the captain, he didn't want to go. And so they think oh. maybe he was pushing the sails, which would put pressure on the whole structure and cause it to leak. Interesting. Yeah. And so anyway, there was like 150 of them that were going to go, and they all had to cram onto this. Oh, they couldn't all fit on, but 100 of them crammed in, 102 of them crammed into the, the Mayflower, the famous Mayflower. But they had to be below deck the whole time. It was a, it was a two-month journey, 66 days, and a storm hit. And wow. the whole, I mean, think about this. The whole time they were crossing the Atlantic in this little bitty boat, there's a storm. So you're under, you're being tossed around, you're below deck, there's no fresh air, there's no fresh food. I mean, gosh, I mean, well, a lot, several of the sailors did get sick. Yeah. And they cared for them, but none of the, none of the, none of them died. Several, a few of the sailors even died on the trip over. But um, anyway, they, they wow. that's how they made it up. So already they're like weak and already you can, it's, it's just like you could see Satan just throwing everything he had at these people to keep them from mm. coming and establish a beachhead in this new, new world. Mm. So they arrive in November, and um, the Mayflower was supposed to just drop them off and head back, but they talked him into staying. The captain was so impressed by their life and what they had done and how, he, how they cared for the sailors when they were sick, even though these sailors made fun of them and ridiculed them. 
They just impressed the captain. He said, okay, I'll stay for the winter and give you a place to operate from so you can go ashore yeah. and, and build your homes and things. Okay, so, so they stayed on. That's right. I forgot about that. They stayed on the boat and kind of did like for uh, that first winter, sorties yeah. into, yeah. To build. and other, Another amazing thing, they, the, when they landed, they weren't where they were supposed to be. And, you know, I just get into so many details of this, so raise your hand if I'm getting too many details. But they, they landed in a place where they weren't supposed to be, and so they tried to set sail to go south where they were supposed to be, and the wind kept blowing them back. Turns out the place they landed was the only place on the east coast there that was not occupied by Native Americans. It was empty land that had already been cleared. Later they found out that a fierce tribe, the Patuxets, had been there, and four years earlier a plague had wiped out the whole tribe. Oh, oh. So this was, and the other Indians, Native Americans, wouldn't move onto that land because they thought it was cursed yeah, land. Yeah, cursed land. So they had this land. You know, we hear this story, oh, they came over and stole the land from the Indians. They did not. This was land that the, the Native yeah. Americans didn't want. Before we go any further, mm-hmm. uh, fact check, fact check, uh, where are you getting this information? I mean, there's a book I remember you used to, you gave us. Yeah. Is that it, where you're getting most of this information? Much of it is, but I've been doing this so many years. Every year I go out and pick up a few more little right. details here and there. But if you really want to read the most for concise the, story. For the details, who, who yeah. do they need to read? It's a book by Peter Marshall called The Light oh. and the Glory. The Light and the Glory. Yep, that's yeah. the one. And it's a it's an amazing, and it's an easy read, too, because it's so interesting. It's got so many quotes from the actual authors. So that's, and it's thoroughly, thoroughly researched. I yeah. mean, he's pulling straight from, like you said, from the original documentation the from the people yeah. that wrote it. So we get a lot of interpretations throughout history of what what went yeah. down. Sometimes you need to go back to the original source. I mean, it's kind of, like, I say, where yeah. are you getting your interpretation from? We'll go back to the source. And that's where all of these details are coming from. Right. Um, so... Yeah. That's it. Okay, so they get here. It's as bad as they think it's going to be. But it's interesting, too, that the captain's like, wow, I'm really so impressed with you guys. I really should turn around and go home, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick it out here, at, yeah. really at the risk of his own life. It yeah, sounds like. it, it was, yeah, because they were short on supplies because they, had, they were a month delayed in yeah. leaving. So they were already eating into the supplies that were supposed to carry them through the wow. winter before they even left England. And it's just so wild to think, I don't think I've been anywhere that I would have to have built from the ground up. I mean, the idea yeah. that you didn't, they didn't just show up and like, oh, Walmart's closed this weekend. We'll go right. on Monday. No, like yeah. this is it, what we have. And so, I mean, they had to have some, well, that's crazy. To, to make it even crazier, these really, think about it this way, they were urbanites. They were not hunters. They were not Yeah, fishers. that's what I was thinking. These yeah. weren't like craftsmen. They're like, oh, I go out and chop down trees all no, the time. They didn't know anything about, that's why they fished in the, uh, the bays there that had lots of fish, and they fished for like three months and only caught one fish until uh, Squanto shows up and says, here's how you fish, right. here's how you plant. I mean, they didn't, they didn't know squat. So in that sense, they were bailed out yes, by, they by were, Native definitely. Americans. Yeah, because it's like a bunch of city boys trying to make it yeah. in the country. And So Thanksgiving, was that, uh, when, did, when did Thanksgiving go down? Well, that happened. They had there were several of them when they first landed. Yeah, uh, they they knelt and declared a day of fa- Thanksgiving before they even went on shore. Declared a day of Thanksgiving with all of for the dead, us with all the dead the bodies in tow. Well, before that was just the sailors. They had not died yet. Oh, okay. although after their first sortie into the land and they came back, that was the first Pilgrim death. It was Governor Bradford, his wife. That's right. Fell overboard. Wow. But they think she may have committed suicide. It was just because of the stress. We don't. We don't know how do you, you know, you could have fallen overboard, but 
you know, they've been on that ship for two months. Yeah, and then they get there and she falls she overboard. She falls overboard, yeah, wow. exactly. So that's a possibility, but... I mean, that, how real is that, though, that, yeah. that she might have committed suicide? I mean, even... even it, yeah, there was, was tremendous hard. pressure, yeah. tremendous yeah, pressure. Because, you know, women then were like women now, you know. And I, re- I, remember, you, I remember when you told that story one time as a kid, and I remember kind of, it's all coming back to me now that about how hard it was. And so the, yeah. the guy that was in charge, his own wife. Right. That's, that's an yeah. interesting concept, yeah. You know, another interesting thing, I think you mentioned that the Native American, the guy, there was one Native American. Squanto. Who, Squanto, yeah. And he had he had been taken captive. He'd been in the U, uh, he'd been in Europe, had learned English, got back. He was from that tribe that had been wiped out. Oh. And when he came back, he goes back into where his tribe was and they're not there. And so he basically lost his will to live. He joined another tribe, but he just kind of wandered around. So it's just so much like God, where when God does something, he usually blesses both sides. Yeah. And so they gave him a reason to continue living. He saw that as a cause. To help them. Yeah, because he'd been exposed to Christianity in Europe. Well, if he'd Europe. been in England, too, he had... I forgot about that part of the story, too. He spoke English, right? Yes, he spoke that fluent was English. how they were able to communicate. And he helped them to set up... Uh, peace treaties with the surrounding tribes. And that's another falsehood. We always hear the white man came in and stole the land. Well, these guys didn't. And secondly... Well, they these guys were, meaning the Puritans the, the specifically. Pil- pilgrims. Pilgrims, the pilgrims right. yeah. The Puritans were, were a different group okay. later, later. Yeah, that's right. But the um, um, he also negotiated peace treaties with them. We always hear all oh, the white men broke the peace treaties. These guys established peace treaties with the surrounding tribes that lasted over 50 years until... The original signers, both the Native Americans and the Pilgrims, had passed away. Yeah, they held, and they did some tremendous things. The Pilgrims rescued captive Native Americans from other tribes. The Native Americans rescued the Pilgrims. I mean, they really worked together. Yeah, so it wasn't a kind of a white man come in and oppress type mindset. Well, and it was not at all. It was empty land. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. So. Okay, so real quick clarification on that, because I, I guess over time it's confused my mind. Puritans were not the pilgrims. Right. The pilgrims were the separatists. That's right. Yeah. And they they gave up on the Church of England. It is too corrupt. We cannot fix it. The Puritans. And that's the other thing. When you see the pilgrims, you see these pictures of the big buckles and the black hats and the very stoic guys. Those were the Puritans. These guys wore colorful clothing. They, uh, they, they were not... Well, in fact... It's interesting when Squanto first shows up. Well, actually, the first uh, fellow shows up. He he walks in. He goes, "You have some beer," and they 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 said, "Well, we're all out of beer, but we have some whiskey here for him." You know, so I mean, these these were not teetotalers. Okay? <laughs> <All right. laughs> these were these were not what we think of these stoic, very stern. The other thing is, most of them were young families. Wait, so, okay, so let me get that clear. That was the first thing he asked for was beer. Yeah, yeah. This the, now that's not Squanto. That's the other one. I'm trying to think of this guy's name. He walks in in broken English because he'd learned it from the trapper. So what does he know, right? right he knows yeah. beer, and so he walks in and asks for some beer. Like, no, we don't have. We have the harder stuff though. We got forty proof. You yeah, want to... <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So right off the bat, they're yeah. you know, getting those Native Americans drunk. That's wild. Yeah. Okay, so there was the first. There was one Thanksgiving where they land, when they got there. Right. What's the one we kind of, the, the story that kind of morphed into what we call thanks, the first well, Thanksgiving? Well, probably after that first winter. After the first winter, yeah. they, well, now here's the thing. I say after that first winter, almost half of them were dead. Wow. They died in, in, from the cold 
There was no Indian attacks or anything like that, but they died from the cold, they died from weakened states, they died from just all kinds of things. And um, so come spring, they're still there, and that's when they declare a day of Thanksgiving. Right, so it was really a spring festival. Yeah, yeah it really like was. Thanks- wow. And, and the interesting thing is, too, that, again, nearly every family had been broken. Either a child died or a wife died or a husband died. And these were young families. These were like 20-year-olds, 20-plus. Wow. They were not your old 40-year-old. You're, you always think of these old, gruff, bearded guys. These were young families. And so you think of a young family, early 20s, mid-20s, yeah. and your wife dies. or and you, you, Wow, the pain of that. But in the midst of all that pain, they declared a day of thanksgiving. And then they decided, we're going to invite the Native Americans. They, they knew they were really short on supplies. They made it through the winter, but they were really short on supplies. So they invite the Native Americans. And then comes a culture class. They invite the chief. Right. Okay, so I invite the chief. They're figuring the chief's going to show. He shows up with like 50 braves with him. So he's got like 50 hungry His men. His whole army. You know? yeah. yeah, hey, come on. They're going to throw a party for us. You know, there's just this culture clash. But they then, the braves went out then and hunted for turkey and hunted for deer. And so venison and turkey, very appropriate for... Uh, what for were they going to be eating, though? Uh, well, they, they had whatever they had in store. So just yeah. old stored food, you know. So now it really became a party. And of course... It lasted for three days. So that's probably our first Thanksgiving that we yeah. think of. But the next winter then was even worse. Um, because just before, when the fall came in November, they had another boat show up. Oh, awesome. Reinforcements, reinforcements. But when the boat showed up, they had 35 more people, but they didn't have any more food. Mm. So here we are again, facing another winter with just what we've grown ourselves. So not only did they have more mouths to feed, but then the boat needed to return to England, and they had to give them supplies to wow, make the to crossing back. Yeah, because there was no Walmart. Yeah, yeah, no or place H-E-B, to go. Yeah. So it's like, wow. And so that summer was really the, um, the they call it the starving winter. And during that summer, their rations were reduced to, at one time, five kernels of corn a day. Wow. But here's the amazing part. Not a single one died that winter. Wow. And so the next... Um, spring when they declared another day of thanksgiving that we survived the winter the they had again they called the, the native americans in and they had a big feast but the first thing they served everybody was five kernels of corn lest we forget the difficulties that they've gone through wow so which which is so back to this idea of gratitude um a, a lot of times gratitude starts with recognizing i'm not yeah. where i want to be but Man, I'm glad I'm not where I used to be. Right. And thank God for that. I mean, that's a great place to start. I was talking to uh, a guy that runs this rehab center out in LA. And I said, What's the, you know, like, how do these, what's the key to like getting through people getting out of drug addiction and rehab? He's like, Man, you just take it one day at a time and you realize you're a little bit better today than you were yesterday. And he's like, And you thank the Lord, I got through another day without alcohol or drugs. And I was like, Wow, it's just little. Little steps of gratitude are what build up. Yeah. A real good friend of mine said this. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, Worry about only today. Today has enough troubles of its own. Oh, isn't that Jesus? Yeah. A good friend of yours. A good friend of mine, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He says, don't worry. So you you focus on... Sufficient today. today. Evil today is enough for today. Right. And you're grateful for where you're at today. But again, it's, it's always the... There's always something you can be grateful. I remember Mark Batterson talking to us in where is it Maine? 
Were you on that trip? I wasn't on that. Okay, one, he was no. on that trip, or maybe was, I don't remember. He's saying how the the idea of a gratitude journal. Your mom was on that one. You weren't grateful that she was no, lost. No, no, that was yeah, it. that's where she got that lost. Was, that right? was it. Was that was a different trip? <laughs> but uh, that he talked about how every day he writes one thing he's grateful for, and he's yeah. like, it's easy the first thirty days. Yeah. But then you get along, you're like, you know, up to 100, 200 things. You're having to get really creative on what you're grateful for, but right. it causes you to really hone in on, you know, what could be, and I'm thankful for what I have right yeah. now. Yeah. Rather than um, rather than focusing on what you don't have, which I guess... Well, and that's the thing with him, I believe. You know, some people would say, well, if it was God, how could he allow that many to die? But I believe they went at it from a different perspective. They went at it from the perspective of... Hey, we God owes us nothing. Thank you, God, that you allowed mm-hmm. some of us to live. You know, it's like a, I, I, a friend of mine, Calvin uh, Keith Lamb. I was asking him one time because he's a hardcore Calvinist. I mean, he's a real strong Calvinist. So therefore, there are certain people that God has destined to go to hell. I mean, he basically says that. You know, and I said, well, how could how could God do that? You know, and he said, oh, you're asking which the is wrong the question. hyper Calvinist position. Yeah, yeah, he's right, pretty yeah. hyper. He's pretty hyper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's, he said, you know, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not how could God allow some to go to hell. Mm. I, sh- I said destined them to, but that, that's probably not the best yeah. way of saying it. He they said, destined we themselves all, to it. We were all destined for hell. Yeah. We all deserve hell. The question is, how could he save any of us? Why would he care about us to yeah. save any of us? And I believe we do many times look at the wrong side of it. I think that, well, these guys were pretty hardcore Calvinists too, you know. And they were coming at it from that perspective, not of how could God allow my wife to die? How could God? And I know that's painful and that's hard, and I can't imagine the pain of that. But they instead focused on how could God be gracious enough to allow any of us to survive? How could he have patience with any of us? Yeah. And that patience that he has, is that's something to be grateful for. And the problem is when we think somehow that we're pretty good people, Right. And we're okay. Then, well, gee, anything that bad happens to us, hey, I'm a good person. And Why would that happen? That's, that, I don't deserve that. It reminds me of something Jordan Peterson said. He said, you know, I wake up every day with a sense of gratitude at the fact that this yeah. world actually has good things in it. Because he's like, really, it's it's quite amazing that we're all not all killing each other. Yeah. That we're not like beating each other to death. Uh, that systems actually function that right. people get along and agree because the history of humanity has not been that. Right. And we live at a pretty good time to be alive in the overall scope of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still lots of injustice, no doubt. But compared to what it used to be, uh, you see that it's it's a really... I mean, that's the statistics. Uh, Steven yeah. Pinker talks about that too. He says, it's a really good time to be alive. You know, right. you know, infant mortality is the lowest it's ever been in the history of the world. Uh, starvation is the lowest it's ever been in the history of the world. The UN is saying they're going to eradicate poverty by 20-something. And tremendous strides are being made, yeah. Yeah. Injustice has been the norm throughout history. Right. You just knew that. Okay, he's the king. Why does he get a nice palace and I'm living out here starving to death? Well, that's because he's the king. And that that was they lived by the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Exactly. (laughs) So injustice has been the accepted norm. And the very fact that we even see it as something wrong now... Well, we, uh, we do live in the most that's, amazing time around. That's something to be grateful for, that yeah. people see things as wrong, yeah. that injustice. That, used, in, that was normal. Yeah, for centuries. It was like, well, if the king wants to do that, that's the king. He wants and, to cut, cut your head off if he wants to, you know, whatever, steal your land. It's He's the king. The other thing, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I realized, you know, we, if you've ever visited any of those castles in England or Scotland or whatever, 
we, the average person in the U.S. today, live so much better than the I king know. and queen of those days. Yeah. I mean, man, they're just, they're drafty, they're cold, they're just miserable. And yeah. what we have today, you can get in your old, well, I got an old clunker of a car. Yeah, but you have a car. Right. You know? Yeah. I tell you, may tell you the story when we'd been back at the States one time when I was learning Spanish. And I went back and was talking with our Spanish teacher, and I just thought I'd throw this in just to see what her response would be. I said, yeah, you know, things are tough in the U.S. right now. Uh, it's so bad that some of the poor people are actually having to live in their cars. And she looked at me and she says, poor people have cars? She just she could not fathom it because here she was. It's a different kind of poverty. She was a certified teacher. She had gone to college. Never in her life did she ever dream of having a car. It was always going to be taking the bus. Right. And so it was just beyond her fathoming that in the U.S., poor people have cars. And it's just your perspective on things. Perspective is you so can, much ingratitude. You can find something to be grateful for. And then the same thing, you can always find something to be com- complain oh, about. about. Yeah. yeah. I know. I think about that with there's little stuff that goes wrong at our house here. And I'm like, and I'm yeah. like, man, people would kill to have this house. Yeah. Like it's, you know, God, well, I had to just replace the AC. And I'm like, yeah, but I replaced the AC. You could. You could afford to do it. And I re- you could do it. That reminds me of a time that we had a some, like $1,000 re- repair we had to do on our car. And Emily and I were sitting at the restaurant. Somebody we knew from the church came up. And we're like, she's like, how are you guys? We're like, oh, we just found out we have $1,000. It's going to cost to repair the car. And she's like, and I was like, yeah, it's, it hurts to take that out of savings. She's like, you have $1,000 yeah. <laughs> in savings? I was yeah. like, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I am so ungrateful. Like yeah. I have, yeah, it stinks that I've got to spend a thousand dollars to fix my car, but thank the Lord, I've got a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that same friend of mine, he said this. He said, "Seek and you will find." If you're looking for something to be grateful for, mm. you'll find something. If you're looking will that for hold something up to whine about, exegetically, there, I don't. I think so. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. I think so. Okay, we'll have to call John MacArthur. John MacArthur would ream you for using that <laughs> seek, and you'll find that way. Yeah. Now Kanye <laughs> might be cool with it, but no, yeah, I'm just kidding. Well, we go by the theology, the gospel <laughs> according to Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, again, you see that if you're looking for something to whine about, you'll find it. That's if so you're true. looking for something to be grateful about, you may yeah. have to be a Sherlock Holmes to find it. You know, dig a little bit, but you will find something. The very fact that your your brain is thinking enough that you can be thinking about something to be grateful for instead of sitting as a vegetable somewhere in a corner, right. you know, just rocking yeah. back and forth, that's something to be grateful for. Yeah. I, I, what's up? I should have looked this up beforehand. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of yeah. God in Christ Jesus so, concerning you. That's not just because he doesn't like you whining. Right. It's because it's actually, of course, everything God asks of us is for our own good, if you realize it. On the backside of it, you realize, yeah, when you can keep that attitude of gratitude, there's a classic uh, yeah. Hallmark, Christian Hallmark card. Keep that attitude of gratitude. It, it opens your eyes to see all the good around you. And that's just, I mean, because the natural tendency is you spot one bad thing and then you spot the other bad thing and then the other bad yeah. thing. But it's that perspective shift of there's a whole lot of good around you. It works the same way. If you spot that one good thing, you go, oh, well, that leads to that, leads to that. Yeah. And that passage, the other thing, if you've got nothing else to be grateful for, uh, in Thessalonians, they're about this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Just rejoice that you're in Christ Jesus. You know, you are in him. Yeah. And and you're, you're, you're secure in him. You know where you're going. You know what your eternity holds. It may stink right now. And it may get better, and it may not. Some things just need to be endured. 
Yeah. But you know, the, if you the longest desert, you'll get out of the longest, driest, hottest desert if you just keep on walking. That's true. It does eventually end. It doesn't seem like it when you're in the middle of it sometimes because you go, ah, this has gone on forever and ever, you know, and um, but it does eventually end. Which is where they would say, from a psychological standpoint, that if you can keep your gratitude in the middle of it, you won't lose your mind. Yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah. it's that... You know, it's your world shrinking around what you don't have and you're just lasering in. That's the danger of comparison, too. I mean, that's one of the things I think is the greatest challenge in our world is you can always compare your life to somebody else. And it's, of course, what you see online is, you know, their highlight reels. You're comparing yourself to their highlight reel and you don't even realize that, yeah, they're on a cruise, but this is their last ditch attempt to save their marriage. Uh, You know, that's why I was talking to some friends the other day. I'm like, yeah, man, it's like they were like, how are they on a cruise again? He's like, and then they come back the next week and they're like, we're filing for divorce. He's like, y'all were just on a cruise. And they're like, well, we were trying to save our marriage. He's like, man. He's like, I didn't get to go on the cruise, but man, I'm thankful that I have my wife. I'm thankful that our marriage is, is where yeah. it is. And there's always, uh, comparison will just, it's, was it? Oh, it's the greatest comparison. fuel for discontentment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lewis said, uh, C.S. Lewis, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Um, so gratitude and joy, joy bring, joy comes from gratitude. Uh, recognizing that what you've got is, and really I think what you've got is enough for what God's called you to do right now, um, if you'll just be grateful for it. Right, yeah. All right, so I guess we'll end it there and just want to say happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a wonderful holiday. Yes, from the moms to your family, happy Thanksgiving. If you liked what you heard, please consider sharing this with a friend. For more information, visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Thanks for listening.